This is Dale Jr., and you're listening to Dirty Mo' Radio. Welcome back to yet another edition of the Dale Jr. Download. This is Tyler Overstreet. As always, I'm joined by Dale Earnhardt Jr., the show's namesake. He's on the line. What's up, Dale? Hey, how's it going, Tyler? I'm over here in Texas hanging out with Amy's family. We're having a great time. That's cool. How's your Halloween? Um, So far, so good. They're actually about to have a Halloween costume here at Junior Motorsports. They're about to have a costume? A costume party or contest. Oh. Last year they uh-huh. had it, and yeah, they have it like on the shop floor. It's going to be interesting. Uh, I'm not dressing up, though. Why not? Dang. I, I have a costume because I'm supposed to attend a costume party tonight. I, I'm trying to get out of it, um, but my costume is the left shark from Katy Perry's Halftime. <laughs> Just because um, my fiance, she's going to be Harley Quinn from the Suicide Squad, and she wanted me to be the Joker. But I was like, nah, this shark just looks awesome, and it looks like a good time. Are you dressing Man, up? Ah, uh, yes, I am. Um, Adeline um, is. Adeline she, is. Adeline is about two years old, and she is um, Amy's niece. So I guess she's my niece too. Um, we're gonna. She's gonna be dressed up as a little deer. And me and her dad are going to walk her around. We're going to dress in camo as hunters. And uh, we're going to trick-or-treat here after, this afternoon. That's cool. Around the neighborhood, yep. Um, when would be the last ha- time that you went trick-or-treating? Oh, I can't remember. I hope everybody's out there is having a great Halloween. It's a fun time It's a fun time of year. I don't know that a lot of people know this, but NAS- the NASCAR driver's owner bus lot celebrates Halloween on the Talladega race weekend. It's a tradition that they have a lot of things in the uh, in the playground uh, for the kids. All the kids, all the kids that are uh, in the bus lot will dress up, and they'll go from bus to bus and trick or treat. So me and Amy will get a bowl of candy. We'll sit outside the bus and see all the kids come up. It's fun seeing everybody's costumes. And I've learned over the last couple of years that if you have a kid and they dress up, you dress up. So be ready for that, Tyler. Me and you both, as we start our families, we're gonna have to start dressing up again. You know, I I quit dressing up for Halloween a couple, you know, several years ago. Yeah, I don't remember the last time I dressed up. This this costume is the first one I've had in a long time. But that's I think that's fun, especially if yeah. you all do like one big, um, like if when your you costumes have, go together. Right, right, right. When you play off each other, well, I'm sure that's the only way you can make it work. Um, but yeah, I think uh, I, I didn't realize that when you had children that you started that back up. Um. Anyways, we got a lot to talk about. This was a wild weekend. Wild. At one of our favorite tracks, Martinsville. Absolutely. There's there's so much buzz about what happened um, at the end of the race. And there was, um, you know, obviously there's the, uh, there's the uh, Chase Elliott, Denny Hamlin part. But there were so many other moving parts to this, too, because uh, you saw Keselowski get moved out of the way. The 22 car had the tire rub. Uh, ends up getting a flat. The twenty-one and four were going at it the whole race. Yeah, they, they sure were. I was behind 
them for a good portion of that. Man, it was just such a, it's so fun to be able to take your car to the racetrack, be able to lean on each other, beat and bang without worrying about losing that side force and down force and all that crap and race. Damn, that was fun. I'm going to miss racing at Martinsville because, you know, we run at these mile and a half and the cars are so critical to, to, to arrow and downforce. And if you barely touch the wall, it can knock counts out of your car that can make it really uncompetitive. That's so annoying. Not being able to really, you know, lean on the car and get into the fence a little bit and not worry about it. We used to race like that all the time, you know, rub the fence, big deal. Um, now if you rub the fence, you know, you got to get to pit road, uh, or you can't wait to get to pit road to be able to pull that quarter panel back out to get the damn side force and down force back in the car. Cause it won't drive good without it. But in Martinsville, you don't, you don't even care about that. Anyways, with all that going on, um, I got to talking to Landon Castle yesterday on the internet. Or uh, on actually, we were texting back and forth, and we were tweeting a little bit too. But it got to, got me thinking about all the people that I had intentionally wrecked in my career. Do you want to know the ones that come to mind? Yes, I think we. I asked you about this a while back, and you had forgot. Or I know. Well, it made me think about. Um, so. I'd be surprised if there's a driver that hasn't intentionally wrecked somebody at some point in their career. Um, but here's the ones that I could remember after uh, spending about 20 minutes thinking about it. Uh, Kerry Lawrence in Myrtle Beach in 1996. I spun him out off of turn two. Um, for like for the lead or what? No, we were we were just kind of coming off the corner, and I just didn't I didn't take care of him. I just oh. sort of got into his quarter panel and sent him into the fence. Um, Stanton Barrett at Pikes Peak in 1998. Spun him out trying to get a caution because I was uh, needing some tires. Okay. Yeah. I ended up having – I ended up going to the uh, NASCAR hauler at the end of that race and fighting with Tony Stewart. It's Tony Stewart's crew chief, really. That was the that was the Xfinity race where they they called me and Tony Stewart to the hauler because we were running into each other all day long. Oh, so um, you went to I, the hauler for Tony Stewart, but nothing for Santon Barrett, who you well went. while I was while I was at the hauler getting my butt chewed by NASCAR and fighting with Tony Stewart's crew chief, Stanton Barrett's car owner came over there and he's like, "What in the hell did you do that for?" And I could not remember. I don't know who this guy is because he doesn't have anything recognizable on him that would say, "Hey, I'm the I'm the owner of this car." And I'm like, what are you talking about, man? And uh, and I, it, didn't, it didn't dawn on me what he was trying to uh, chew my ass for until he walked away. It's pretty funny. Poor guy. Um, yeah. I spun Casey Kane at Richmond in 2004. In a cup race. In, in a cup race. Yep. Um, I got in the back of him in the middle of the corner. And uh, I meant to get into the back of him. I, I guess – this would be a case where I didn't want to spin him out. I was just trying to move him, but ended up wrecking him. Which, that's a good point, because your spotter this weekend, TJ, he asked you, he felt like the 48 was holding you up, and asked you, yeah. said, just go ahead and move him, which that's is right. easier said than done. I was like, are you crazy? Uh, he is my teammate, and he's going for a championship. I'm not going to try to take, I'm not going to risk crashing him to move him. Okay, back on, back going to the list here. Uh, I've spun myself out at Bristol in 2004 on purpose. I remember right? that. I would, I would, uh, I would lump that that one into the the group. That was an intentional wreck. 
I think you should get a lot of credit for how talented you have to be to spin out at Bristol and not hit anything or get hit yeah. yourself. I went to the back and made sure there was a lot of room between me and the next guy. Was that because you had a loose wheel? I had a tire. Yeah, I had a loose wheel or a flat tire. And if you pit, you're going to go down two laps. So I thought if I'd spin out and maybe I'd only lose one. But then you got fined anyways. Then I got fined because I admitted it. I kind of bragged about it, which was stupid. Um, and the last one I remember is Kyle Busch at Richmond in 2008. He wrecked me. Uh, I don't think he wrecked me on purpose. He just got in the corner hot and loose because it actually cost him a win. In the first race that year, and so in the second race, um, I spun him out going into turn one. <clears throat> on purpose? Yeah. But that was so, And that was for the lead. I remember that. Yeah. But you, you locked up the left front and made it smoke a little bit, so it didn't look completely obvious. <sighs> Had to get in there hard to, <laughs> to get to him. So, yeah. So, I was thinking about tweeting this list and seeing if I could kickstart some sort of a driver um, conversation, maybe where drivers would admit to people that they had wrecked at some point in their career. With the hashtag intentional wrecking. <laughs> do you do you know of any times when you were intentionally wrecked? Uh, or like have I don't. Idea? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. That's the thing. Like I think when you, I think I think as a driver when you get spun out, you never know whether it was on purpose or not. And I bet that there's prop. That's only like one, two, three, four, five instances that I can remember. I bet there's probably five more that I, that I just haven't thought of. And I'm I'm sure that social media will Yeah, they, everybody find, knows, yeah. They will find those and they will let us know. And that will be interesting. Seems like you enjoy that. I Well, it depends on which end. Like if if it's us booting somebody, I would probably enjoy it, but if somebody did that to us, I'd probably be upset. Yeah. But well, fortunately, you you have a you seem to have a good rapport with everybody. So I don't know that anybody in that field. But maybe it's because they don't want to face the wrath of Junior Nation. Yeah, because, I did apologize like eight years later to Stanton Barrett. Did he accept the apology? Oh yeah, he's a good guy. Okay, I was like, man, this is bugging me. I did a bad thing. What about the guy him. at um, Myrtle Beach or Florence? Terry Lawrence. Yeah, Terry Lawrence is still in the sport. He feels exhaust. Uh, for for race teams, he's still around, and I bet he'll be. I bet he will remember if he hears this. He will remember what I'm that race, that particular race I'm talking about. I remember when I spun him. I don't know why I did it. It was stupid. Uh, we weren't even racing in the top three. We were probably it was like the first damn lap of the race. We come off a of turn two, and I just court. Got hit him in the quarter panel and turned him into the inside wall. And I remember his hood flew way up in the air. Those old fiberglass hoods popped right off. And uh, and I thought to myself, you know what? I just spun this guy out. Um, he don't have a lot of money. Uh, I just bent his front clip. He's going to have to spend you know six 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 eight thousand dollars trying to fix his car. I immediately regretted it and felt awful about it. So but after uh, you wreck somebody. Um, whether it's intentional or not intentional, do you are you more cautious? Like when the race restarts, like hey shit, I don't want to wreck two guys in oh yeah, yeah ten laps. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, because you know, you know that um, 
Yeah, as soon as you spin somebody out, you know that's big news, right? That's uh, okay. There goes the media's talking about it. Everybody's gonna be asking you about it. You're gonna have to talk about it all week. You're gonna go to the race the next weekend and talk about it. So you're you're certainly like, hey, let me try to keep my nose clean for the rest of the race. I don't want to be that guy that's just do- you know bulldozing everybody all day long. You remember the race where uh, this reminds that reminds me of a race that Trevor Bain ran at Watkins Glen a couple years ago. Remember when? He was knocking dudes off the racetrack. You don't remember that? Well, I mean, that sounds like a lot of Trevor Bain. <laughs> <laughs> Man, Trevor Bain, the, Trevor Bain's gotten better. But he does. He's run pretty well at times this year. It was like two, two, two years ago or three years ago. He pushed like three people off the racetrack. It was so funny watching the race. <laughs> but um, he's just trying to I, run his own race. Them guys well, getting the in the way. Thing, it's, it's so. The, I guess the reason why it's funny. Is because Trevor Bain is this super freaking nice guy. Yeah. And, you know, he's he's just really a good person. And then he's in this car and he's driving like uh you know, like a crazy man. Hey man, you put that helmet on. That's what they say, right? We all it brings the worst out in all of us. Anyways, so that was a wild race. Um we did a periscope after the race talking about um, short track race, and there's a lot of conversation on social media about it. Everybody's like, man, you know, we need more short tracks. And what what that made me think about is, so when I was young going to the races, man, it felt like that every other four races, somebody got spun out. There was some drama yep. going on. You had uh, rivalries that would pop up out of nowhere that would last for months and then then there'd be a new one come along. Um, dad and Jeff Bedine were spinning each other out. Dad and Ricky Rudd at North, uh, North Wilkesboro. Rusty Wallace spinning Daryl Waltrip out at the Winston. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. This has been, you know, this ain't nothing, uh, that, you know, we haven't seen in the sport, um, before, but it seemed like that we saw it a lot more often back in the 80s and i think the reason is is because we had a lot more short tracks and short tracks breed that style of racing i mean if you what you saw at uh, martinsville on sunday that happened all across the country on saturday night right yeah, yeah that you know that's 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 short track racing you know and that that was probably uh martinsville was definitely like an extreme version of that but that's kind of what you see when you go to the short track you want to see some action i mean you see the videos of uh of Bowman Gray all over the internet. They're so fun to watch, right? Right, because you can't get away from anybody. I no. Mean, you're you're going to – the leader is going to check out for a little bit, but he's going to catch the tail end of the field within 20 laps, oh, and they're all going to yeah. – then it's everybody – the whole track is cars on top of each right. other. The conversation that is important to have is what do we do as a sport going forward? How do we see what we – how do we see the positives in this past weekend, and how do we – uh, recreate it and, and and bring you know infuse that into the sport more consistently we i don't want guys wrecking each other every week that's not what we're talking about we're just talking when you got the thing that gave me chills was when i got out of the car and i know you saw this too when we're standing there watching the big screen yeah and, and depending on the face that was on that screen the grandstands were freaking going crazy that was I, that was the loudest booze i have heard 
in a long time, if and not ever. There, there was cheers and booze. Yeah. It depended on who was on the – you know, they put one driver up there, put another driver up there, and the fans were just going bonkers for like 20 minutes after the race. Yeah. When is the last time that has happened? Right. Yeah, I mean, really. I know. I, I like They'd start booing, and I would like run back over to the side so I could see who was on the screen and what right. they were booing. What's going on? Yeah. What's happening? Um, so the conversation is – NASCAR needs to see that, uh, you know, short track racing is their bread and butter, man. I mean, we need to be at the short tracks. And so Jeff Gluck always has this uh, poll on Twitter every week that the fans always seem to enjoy being a part of. And it's basically just yes or no. Did you like the race? 93% liked the Martinsville race. Damn. The, the top two races of this year are both Martinsville races, 90 and 93 percent. It's the a best, hell of a racetrack, too. The, the, the first, I think the, uh, the first 1.5 mile race is 16th on the list. That's, so, in, that's incredible. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I've been following his, this poll because it's very simple. Um, but I think it's super telling. Um, NASCAR needs to go to the short tracks. NASCAR needs to build short tracks. They need to they need to trim down some of the mile and a half shows. Go to some of these tracks only once and get more short tracks into the schedule, man. They need a short track every month. If this is what's going to happen, I agree. If they you, need one there every month. Our sport would grow and be so popular and so big. People would be tuning in to see what happens next. If you imagine. Imagine if we were leaving Martinsville after everything that happened at the end of that race and going to Bristol. Yeah. <laughs> Holy moly. You know some shit, some shit was going to go down. Well, that's the way it used to be. We used to, you know, you, you, you'd you see a guy get spun out. They'd, they'd be upset and all mad at each other, and you was going to another short track the next week, and it was going to happen again, man. Right, like I don't want to see um, – like I don't, I don't know that Chase needs to wreck Denny, but – if Denny's passing him, I expect him to be pinching him and making it hard Make it on him to yeah. pass. Oh yeah, everybody's gonna be watching that duo. Right. You're gonna you're gonna be seeing you know, and that would if you had short tracks and that type of action weekly, you would have very you'd have a lot of combinations like that, driver versus driver, that you would be paying attention to every week, man. I thought it, you know, I thought it was interesting. Did I you think, think the served- lights added to that? Yeah, I think night racing brings a certain uh, energy, a, a bit more aggressive energy. I think. Right, like I the think, last hundred laps of that race, it it was like two different races. Four hundred laps right. were uh, were a good race, but then the last hundred were intense. Right, the intensity seems to be different at night races, and I can't really figure out what that is. But it always has been the case, like the Daytona races day versus night they feel different there there's an intensity in the in the in the night air i don't know what the hell it is but it certainly uh certainly feels that way no matter the racetrack whether it you know if it's night race i don't really like night races at mile and a half though because they're already boring in the daytime and at night the tracks get so much more grip and speed the, the racing gets even more boring but um night race at a short track's fine because you're gonna have action right and that, Guys are that, together. and that's where everybody started you didn't start running Sunday afternoon one o'clock races. You ran Friday nights, Saturday nights at short yeah. tracks. So yep. I what, thought it was awesome. I wonder what the fans think about the two day show. I know that um, most of most of folks in the industry seem to be okay with it, except for uh, Eddie Gossage. Eddie doesn't like it. Well, Eddie, 
Eddie wants to sell hot dogs on Friday. Right. He'd sell them on Thursday if he could, if he could have us there. Which, yeah, I mean, he's that's that's what a promoter is supposed to do. Um, from our standpoint, I thought it was fine. I'm not. Um, I'm not. They're gonna do huge on the qualifying on Sunday, but why? Oh yeah, yeah. I'd just rather race on Sunday too. I think we could do everything. We could just have one practice and then qualify on Friday, on Saturday. I thought it was great. I think they're gonna do a lot of these next year. I'm hearing maybe even half the schedule, maybe two day shows. Um, that'll be pretty interesting to see. This one in particular had um a practice before and after the the truck race. What did you think about that? Was, that? I loved it. Okay, so this is when I was a when I was going. <laughs> I hate to, I feel like I say this all the time, but when I was going to the races when I was younger, they always had that's what happy hour was. Happy hour they they named it happy hour because it was after it was at, you know it was usually around four or five o'clock. It was at the end of the day. Happy hour, right? When you hear happy hour, what do you think? Go to the bar, have a beer, yeah, right? Yep, after work. Right. So that's kind of what why they named this practice happy hour. It's because it's the last practice of the day. It was sort of like going to the bar and having a beer. It was always after the Xfinity race. The track is completely rubbered up. It's going to be as similar to what you'll feel in the race as possible. It's the best time. It's it's exactly where you know what you'd love to be able to practice on. When we practice in the mornings, the track doesn't have as much rubber on it. It changes quite a bit as the Xfinity cars run their race on it, and you'd love the opportunity to get out there and drive on it in that situation. So we had that chance. We got to practice on the track after the, the truck race. It was awesome. It felt old school. It reminded me of the old days. Which I like. Yeah, I, I like it. I I mean obviously everybody wants to get out of there sooner. Like typically I stay for an Xfinity race and then I jet out, go back to the hotel, go eat, whatever. But I didn't mind it the other day. I mean it wasn't you get that Friday back, which we didn't really get our Friday back. We worked, but the Yeah, two- that's the only thing about the two days that's the only thing about the two day show that I don't like is that y'all keep y'all just take that Friday that they give me and y'all make me work on it. Yeah, buddy. I don't like that. We're making the partners happy. Which yeah. Friday we did the uh Goodyear Weatherman segment, so that was that was interesting. That got a lot of feedback on social media. Yeah, I thought that was fun. And uh I was afraid I was gonna screw it up. But I think I did okay. And uh that made you know, me realize how spoiled we are, though, because I was like waking up at three thirty a.m. one time, and I was just I was we dead. Were com- we were complaining about how early we had to be up. Larry Sprinkle is up every day at two in the morning and works all day. Yeah, and he does like he does. He, it's crazy. He sleeps. He say sleeps four hours. Huh. But, but I had fun. I had fun doing that. It seemed like the Goodyear folks were happy. Everybody on social media seemed to like it. But yeah, so two-day shows open up your Fridays for work. I know, and I don't like it. Sorry about that. supposed to have an extra day off. That is the one thing I know Greg Ives talked about is that the teams are kind of trying to learn how to manage that too because if you give those guys an opportunity, a day to work in the shop, then they're going to work in the shop. So Yeah, I agree. Try, just kind of trying to manage people also and manage their time off. Yep. But it was good. Martinsville was an awesome weekend. I wish we could go there four or five times a year. It would be yep. fun. Plus, it's only two hours from here, so it's convenient for us. One more thing we'll touch on real quick. Um, Amy drove the pace car. Yes, she did. I think that, yeah, I think that's the first time a driver's wife has drove the pace car. You th- I think it might be something that catches on. 
Maybe that could I be like think, a tradition that Martinsville starts. Yep, I think it'd be a great idea. If that car's pink, you know, they should uh, they should have a maybe a cancer survivor or somebody in there. Right. I think it'd be cool to have have just you know race fans. You you know maybe just you know give it, it's such a neat experience that I think that they could maximize that opportunity to give it to someone that would really appreciate it. And I know that the folks that have done it in the past. I'm not telling that the guys that have done it this year don't appreciate it but man i never really thought about pace car drivers until my wife did it and now i'm like hmm. yeah she said that um the the most um anxious she was was just walking across the stage though yeah, I know, she, didn't, she was very uh she wouldn't stay out there to shake all the driver's hands she wouldn't go to the driver's meeting because they were going to introduce her as the pace car driver and she's like nobody wants to listen to that crap so I was like, well, okay. She did an awesome job, though. She she had so much fun. Uh, I had millions of questions. You know, one thing I learned about um, driving the pace car is when they uh, when they get going up to speed, they just put it on cruise control. Did yeah. you know that? Yeah, I, I learned that, too, because I did the practice. I rode in the back. For some reason, I thought that was interesting, cruise control. It makes perfect sense, but, yeah, I didn't I – didn't, because we just watch them going around, and you have your yeah. perspective of it. So it's like, yeah, whatever. It's going 30 mile an hour. The guy's holding it 30. But, yeah, so they yeah. just punch it, cruise control. The one thing that was funny is they wanted her to make, like, a hard left to come back into the garage. Yeah. And during the practice, it was like – because it's a 90 degree, so you hit the brake. And I think in the race, she actually gassed it up to get away from the field. Yep. But I was like, oh, have fun making that left. At 35 mile an hour, it's a little more difficult than you think. Yeah, 30 mile an hour going through the turns felt faster than I anticipated. Yeah, that was pretty cool for Amy. I was real proud of her for doing that. And I hope that they do extend that opportunity to other folks that I think we would find interesting to drive the pace car. All right, now we're going to go to our Ask Junior questions. As always, we get these questions on Twitter using the hashtag AskJunior. First question, at Bradley88Billy asks, It's good to see fans have passion, but did the guy going after Denny Hamlin on pit road cross the line? Absolutely. Um, yeah, that that concerned me a lot. And Yeah, I was very worried to, to see that. Uh, you know, the fans, I love to see I I loved to see how much energy there was at that racetrack at the end of that race and for very you know for a very long period after the race the fans were super excited but you don't need confrontation no matter whether it's a fan and driver or fan on fan whatever you know you just don't need that kind of energy going on you don't need people doing that um, I hated to see that because you don't like to see people get arrested but I imagine they took that guy out of there in handcuffs right and. The thing that disappointed me on Twitter is, um, well, like 80% of the people were like, absolutely, that was ridiculous. You can't do that. It's going to ruin right. the hot pass access for other people. Um, but people are like, oh, well, you shouldn't have wrecked him. I'm like, that's not the point. They're, the point is, like, what if you just don't like Kyle Busch? You can't. And it could be pre-race for all I care. Yeah. And you don't need people just wandering around out there. If I get pissed off, so last year, for example, Cam Newton got knocked out in the Falcons game. 
if I've got a field pass, does that mean, oh, after the game, I can just walk out on the field and get, run up to this guy that knocked him out because I'm pissed off? No. Right. So, I mean, it's awesome NASCAR gives such great fan access, but after the race, they need there needs to be some sort of line drawn. I The other day, you were talking to Greg after the race, and I'm having to run back and forth trying to explain, explain to people, like, hey, we need you to just give them some space. They're debriefing after the race. We're trying to improve for the next race. And it's not a time to get an autograph. It's not a time to get a picture. There's those opportunities on Saturday or after qualifying. But before and after the race, they need to let you, before the race, focus on what you're about to do. After the race, let you talk about what just happened. Because, I mean, while you've only got three races left, Greg and that team have to come back to Martinsville in the spring. So you're trying to download all this information as quick as possible. And it's just not a place for fans to be out there, quite honestly. I, yeah, as far as you know, that guy I saw I saw a different video than than I think they showed on social media, and that guy was wanting to tell Denny that he sucked, and I don't know that the guy was going. I you know from what I could see, I didn't know I didn't think the guy was trying to physically physically assault Denny, but it's still you never know. It still just wasn't – it just wasn't – it's not shit you need to be doing as a person, you know. But anyhow, I'm glad that they had good security there to, to, to control that situation. It was good that they stepped in so quickly before it got out of hand. Um, I saw one of Denny's two crewmen down there. Those guys are always the first to, uh, to get in the middle of a situation and, and just, you know, and to, and to bring it down. That's the great thing about a crew – Right. Pit crew, they always got the drivers back. Yeah, and like I go, if you want to heckle them, tell them they suck, cuss at them, I don't care. But do it from the right? other side of the fence. Well, I don't know. I kind of like hearing it sometimes in the pit. Even, well, I mean, fans are all over. You know, they don't have. It's not like this. The fans are just in the grandstands. I I know, but if I go to a football game and I have field access, you okay? So you have yeah. to. Get You're this, on the field. You have to get this hot pass from somebody who get is, the grandstands. It, get off the field, Tyler. Yeah, somebody who's involved in the industry got you this pass. So yeah. you're representing that person, that team, that sponsor, whatever. So you need. I, I feel like you need to act accordingly. I guess. I just don't it's, want it's, people running around going crazy. Well, that nobody wants that. Yeah. At jlove underscore forty asks, do you guys still wear cool shirt? Cool suits during the cold, or is it still hot in the car? We did not wear the cool suit this weekend. Did not need it. It was uh, it, it draws about seven amps. We use all the amps we uh, have in the car that the alternator can put out. Um, so if we don't need it, we don't run it because we could probably use those seven amps somewhere else. Plus, it was a balmy day. It was nice in the car. Was it? A little sweat. I got a little sweaty. It was it was cold and super windy down there yeah. in the pit. I which I didn't stay out there very long. I went in the media center, um, but they they the eight team had a nice little space heater. Down you went there. in the media center, huh? Big surprise. Hey man, you can watch you can watch the race on TV and you can watch the scoring monitor. Very nice and stay out of the way. At R Jallius asked, did you ever dress up as a NASCAR driver when you were a kid for Halloween? If not, what did you dress up as? I was a football player every Halloween. Redskins every player? Halloween. Okay, so there's this. When you're a little kid, 
your parents basically dress you up. They make that choice for you, right? Yep. So up until my parents, when my parents quit buying me those plastic costumes with the rubber band mask and all that, um, once I was able to make my own choices, I had shoulder pads, the the jersey, the the pants, the pat, you know, the pants with the pads and the helmet. I was a football player for like five years straight. The same player? Yeah. It was just red. Had no number on it or nothing. Maybe Helmet was white. You could dress I as was, a right tackle for the Redskins right now. I was right a free now. agent. I dressed up as a free agent. Oh. <laughs> I'm just waiting for my team to pick me up. All right. At C Romo underscore 81. Since we're going back to Texas, talk about the first time you hopped in a Hendrick car after you and Kyle Busch crashed there and you ended up finishing the race in that car. Talk about it, huh? Yeah. Well, this is what I remember. Um, Tony Stewart spun out in front of us. He laid down a ton of smoke spinning his tires. Um, he just laid in the throttle when he got loose. So I slowed down. I couldn't see anything. Kyle slowed down, but we hit each other. Kyle running in the back of me. It bent our car. It bent the suspension, the rear suspension, and the rear rear end housing so badly that we parked our car. Um, they were working on the five car, probably about fifty yards away from me. One of the crew members that I'm a friend of uh, came running over and said, "Hey, man, we can't find Kyle. Can you jump in the car? Do you mind driving it and finishing the race?" And I was like, "Freaking awesome! I've never drove a Hendrick car before. I'd love to." Because, uh, you know, as a driver, you look at your competitors and you're like, hmm, wonder what his car drives like. Wonder what his motor feels like, right? So I jumped in that thing. Well, I started climbing in and I couldn't fit in the seat. So I had to sit sort of sideways because the seat was so small. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so I kind of had to go into the seat cocked sideways and my, oh, it was really tight and uncomfortable. But we made it work. I got out there and drove it around and drove pretty good for a car that was wrecked. And, could you uh, tell like a noticeable difference in? No, I just didn't. I didn't really take any stock in it because the car had been wrecked pretty badly. But it was nice to feel the engine and sort of compare their motor to ours, and um, it was pretty neat. So I think you know I'm I kind of have that nostalgia for the history of the sport, and I um. I remember back in the day, drivers used to get in and out of each other's cars all the time. So for me, that was like old school. Like, oh hell yeah, I'll relief drive. I've never, you know, yeah. I've only been able to relief drive like a couple times. I drove for Glenn Allen Jr. at St. Louis in the Xfinity Series in '97. He threw up. He got out and threw up. His car had been crashed and knocked all the crush panels out. It was about 105 degrees outside, so he getting he was getting sick. So he got out and I got in and finished the race. When he, when I got in it, it was. He was in 22nd place, and I finished in 14th, I think. There you go. At Road Raider 3 asks, do you think that the nature of this playoff format is causing drivers to be more aggressive, a la the finish and post-race activities at Martinsville? No, I just think short track racing under the lights. I don't. I, I see a lot of people talking about the format and how that's creating this this type of dramatic stuff, but we've seen it before, so it's not the format. I think it's just short track racing, man. And then at X Sailor Dan asks, would you like to see Martinsville be like Bristol and Richmond by switching to one day race and one night race? Like I think solely for, night race. I think all short track races should be at night. All of them. There you go. All right. They should 
Yeah, we should run at Martinsville three or four times a year. That'd be awesome. Once every like once every quarter there. Right. That's all the Ask Junior questions for this week. As always, send us your questions using the hashtag AskJunior, and we'll pick the best ones. If you love Dale Jr., then Exalta Racing is your go-to social media account on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. It brings you insider's info all weekend long on the 88 team. It's at Exalta Racing, a must-follow for any Dale Jr. fan. All right, looking ahead Thursday, we got an Exalta appearance at SEMA Show in Vegas. That'll be fun. Yeah, go out to Vegas real quick. Yeah, you'll be in the uh, Exalta booth. So if you're there, stop by and say hello. Friday, practice and qualifying at 6.15 p.m. Eastern on NBC Sports Network. Saturday, uh, we're getting inducted into the Texas Motorsports Hall of Fame. When you say we, you mean you. Me. They're not I'm getting inducted. Me. Okay, I'm getting inducted into the Texas Motorsports Hall of Fame. we got two practices at 3 p.m. and 5 p.m. Eastern. And the Xfinity races is 8.30. Late. 8.30 Eastern, but it'll be 7.30 local. But oh, yeah, okay. that's, uh, yeah, that's a late start. Yeah, that's I late. I don't know why. NBC Sports Network for the Xfinity race. Sunday, we got the Chevy Stage Q&A at 10.30 in the morning. Uh, we race at 10 p.m. Eastern on NBC Sports Network. Yep. We ran fifth there in the spring, so yep. it should be a fun race. Always yeah. a good, good track for you. I'm looking forward to Texas. All right, well, that's the show, folks. Appreciate y'all tuning in. Uh, have a good week. Happy Halloween. See ya. Podcasts are made possible by Exalta. You can subscribe to all eight programs on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and all major podcasting outlets. As always, you can listen to Dirty Mo Radio Podcast on DaleJr.com. Follow us on Twitter at Dale Jr., at Overstreet Tyler, and at Dirty Mo Radio. Also, check out the Dirty Mo Radio Facebook page. Oh,